I bring you greetings from your pastor, from Pastor Ronnie and Pastor Margaret. Um, I talked with them this week, and actually Friday asked him, what would you like for me to share with congregation? He said, would you tell them how much we appreciate their prayers? We feel their prayers. Uh, Would you tell them how much we appreciate that? He said, would you tell them that Margaret slept through the night, Friday night, for the first time in months? Yeah. He also said that she has had been pain-free since they've been there. Another praise the Lord. He said, just tell them that we are worshiping the Lord and we're rejoicing in God. We are rejoicing in what God has done. And so uh, Pastor Allen had shared this week, he wanted to get everyone together for prayer. And and I had shared that with Pastor Ronnie. And he said, I don't want it to be something that's too difficult for the people. And he said, how about this? He said, how about Pastor Margaret's treatments end at about three or four o'clock their time, which is about nine o'clock in the morning hour time. So I'm going to ask everybody to grab your phone and set an alarm for 9 o'clock in the morning. So if you're at work or you're in your car or wherever you might be, we're going to stop at that time every morning until they come back. We're going to stop and we're going to lift her name before the Father. We're just going to like really bug God about this. (laughs) We're just going to continue to petition the Lord and thank Him for what He's doing. He said, ask them to pray specifically that she would have strength. At the end of the day, uh, strength for what she's gone through and strength for the next day for what she's going to go through. So if you would just set that alarm and we will join together at 9 o'clock in the mornings and we will pray for our pastors until they come back. Amen. So we're going to start by praying for them now. If you would grab the hand of the person next to you. Father God, you are faithful. You are our hope. Our trust is in you. And Father, we thank you that you are there. You said you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. Father, we know you are right in the middle of Spain right now with our pastors. I ask, Father, your word says that you will cover our head in a day of battle and that your glory will be our rear guard. And Father, I pray that over Pastor Margaret right now, Father. I pray that you would cover her. I pray for peace. I pray, Father, for healing. You are our healer, Father. That never changes. You are our source. And so, Father, we just lift her name before you expectantly, Father, with great hope, knowing the power that you have. So, Father, we place them in your hands and we commit our hearts, Father, to pray for them, Father. They are our shepherds under you, Father. And Lord, we just lift them before you because we love them and we know you love them. Be with them, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the final and still pretty cool thing is that uh, just as Pastor Kevin had the message for last week, I really believe in my heart that Justin Bashir's had the word for this week. So he's going to come and encourage us in the Lord. So would you encourage him as he comes? Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Give me just a second to get set up here. Uh, let me tell you something crazy. In my ridiculousness, I have accidentally set an alarm on my watch for 9 a.m., and I don't have a clue how I've done it. And for the past two weeks, it has been driving me up the wall until about 30 seconds ago where she said, hey, set an alarm for 9 o'clock. I'm like, I'm ahead of you guys. <laughs> like, get on board. So, and you have to forgive me, um, I picked out this table with a marble slab on it back there, so it's going to take me just a second to get set up. 
Then I also have to grab one more thing. I'm a little bit more traditional uh, than most of the people that get up here and speak. They got fancy clickers, and uh, I got Old Faithful uh, right here. Had to go get this out of the shed, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, Kev, right? Uh, it'll do, right? Uh, this is probably uh, a chaplain at um, the New Salem Highway up here at the uh, Sheriff's Department. And they donated it to us somehow for a play. And uh, fitting that I get to use it today. Amen? Amen. All right, let's get into the Word. If you're able to stand, stand with me. We're going to be reading out of Luke. Are you ready? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true. God, I ask that you would anoint me with the Holy Spirit and with power to speak your words this morning. I pray that our hearts would be open to an encounter with you, that we would be changed into the image of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, that his name would be glorified. Father, we love you and we thank you. And I ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. And you can be seated. So this morning, we're going to look at the angel's visit to Mary and her challenge and struggle to believe. So Mary is a virgin and she is betrothed or engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel is a messenger whose name means God is great. And Gabriel's conversation begins with words of comfort and fear because he is immediately met by fear and trepidation. So he has to start off his conversation with words of encouragement because every time for some reason when Gabriel shows up, everybody's terrified. For some reason. 
If you go to uh, uh, the story of Daniel in chapter 10, when Gabriel comes to interpret his dream, Daniel is sick for three days after meeting Gabriel. If you just skip over to the first part of Luke, when uh, Gabriel goes to tell Zechariah about uh, John the Baptist, uh, Zechariah is terrified, and now Mary is freaking out. So I begin to wonder, why is everybody freaking out when this angel shows up? Why is everyone afraid? So I wondered, could it be his appearance? Could it be? Could be. So growing up, every time I've seen uh, an artist's interpretation or rendition of the angelic announcement, right? It's always been this angel who's like 6'5", and he's white, and he has blonde hair, right? Now, remember, they're in Nazareth. These are Jewish people. So if you're a Jew, and all of a sudden, a Swedish angel shows up... A guy that looks like he's from Germany or Sweden or Mississippi all of a sudden is in your bedroom. You're freaking out. I'm freaking out now if all of a sudden this blonde-haired guy is in my room. How did you get in here? Why do you look so awesome? <laughs> right? You'd be like, hey, hang on, what do you mean? You're coming to announce something, right? As a, you know, I imagine how Joseph felt when he came to announce to Joseph. All right. I mean, think about it. These are Jewish people. And this Swedish angel shows up. So that could be, that could be one reason why everybody's afraid. Because they're, they're Jewish, okay? Or, or, probably more likely, it's his message. Probably the reason they're afraid is his message. You notice the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. That implies that there is a propensity for fear. And then he goes on to tell Mary, uh, for you have found favor with God. And Mary says, what kind of a greeting is that? What does that mean? Have you ever had somebody tell you something about yourself and you don't believe it? But they see something in you that you don't even see in yourself. How many of us know that God's call in and of itself makes you what it calls you. I know that's confusing, so I'm going to say it again. God's call in and of itself makes you what He calls you. So if He says you are favored, the call makes you favored. You weren't favored, the call made you favored. If it says that, if the Word says I am above only and not beneath, the Word that said I'm above only made me above only. Nothing in and of myself made me above only and only. But she was afraid. How many of you know that you can be called and still be in a crisis? Oh my God, I wish I had time. How many of you know you can be, you can be called and still be in a crisis? How many of us have the courage to think ourselves beyond our present situation? Do you realize that David was the anointed king of Israel and was in a shepherd boy situation? How many of us are walking around with a king's anointing in a shepherd situation and are more worried about when I get to do the king things than instead of worried about doing the shepherd things now? Oh, I wish I had time. Oh, I wish I had time. Mary was afraid. She was afraid. The fear is putting our faith 
in the what ifs. The what ifs. In our modern society, we are challenged. We face challenges and problems, wouldn't you agree, in our society? And these challenges or problems are demonstrated in the Old Testament by the battles that they fought. We don't see as many battles nowadays between people of faith and people not of faith. And that's for one reason. Because the war has moved from the natural into the spirit. I'm going to say that again. The reason we don't see as many wars between people of faith and people not of faith is because the war has moved from the natural into the spirit. That's why you got new terms emerging over the last 20 or 30 years. With Reagan, was it Reagan that had the war on drugs? That was a little bit, I was still a pup then, but I was, I was a pup. It was Reagan, the war on drugs, right? And with George Bush, it was the war on terror. Those are not physical things. It'd be different if there was a guy next door that came to fight me, right? I could see that guy, and y'all be like, get him, JB, right? Maybe some of you be like, you're Christian, you should just turn the other cheek. He's on my property. No. Get out of my yard. Unless I did something wrong. You used to, do you know you used to could get whipped by somebody else's parent? And it'd be okay. You could get whipped by somebody else's dad that didn't even know you. They could catch you doing something and whip you and it'd be okay. You get beat and then and then brought to your house. Where do you live? And then you got to tell them the truth or you get beat more, right? Because you can't have him out there wandering for hours trying to find your house, right? And then when they take you to tell, tell your parents what you did, you get beat again. <laughs> do y'all know that used to happen? And now y'all smart off to your parents because they can't even beat you. You're lucky we used to get double beatings. Y'all don't even know what it's like. I wish the war was, I'm glad the war moved in the spirit, not the next. <laughs> Praise God, right? No, but you got new terms emerging. The war on drugs and the war on terror. And maybe, maybe on the outside, our lives seem cush and plush because we're not called to take up arms. I'm not called to take up arms and we're not called like uh, the people in the Old Testament to walk through deserts and sleep in tents and sleep in caves and drink water from dripping rocks. So maybe our lives seem okay and cush from the outside. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, there is greater conflict now than at any point in history. Greater conflict now, and there is a battle going on. And if you're not spiritual, you won't discern that you're taking licks and you're taking hits. And you don't know why you're worn out and you're tired all the time and you wake up in a bad mood. Right? These are, there are sleeper cells that have been activated in the, in the spirit realm. Sleeper cells that have been activated. You got people that have been married for 40 years. Now all of a sudden they're talking about divorce. You're 40 something years old. All of a sudden struggling with something that happened to you when you was 10. These are spiritual things that are all of a sudden happening to us. And if you're not paying attention, you won't even discern that you're taking licks and you're taking hits. What does the Word say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
but against powers and principalities, against spiritual things, right? I'm not fighting my neighbor across the street. When you're arguing in your own household, remember that your spouse is on the same team. This one is free. Y'all have the same jerseys on. Okay? That's a bonus. It's a bonus. That wasn't in the notes. Okay? For all of us that are arguing at home, if you're arguing at home, y'all got the same jerseys on. You know what it looks like when your team's out there arguing on the sidelines. You're like, get it together, guys. Come on. Same thing in your household. You got the same jerseys on. Okay? You may not see... You may not see your Philistines coming around behind the Publix or over here behind La Siesta and marching over here through the neighborhood in Living Springs. Or you may not see them coming around the rose bushes and you may not have to jump down behind the swimming pool and grab your machine gun and fight off the Philistines. But nevertheless, you are in a battle. You are still in a battle. The Philistines are still coming, but they are marching against your mind. They are marching against your health, anybody. They are marching against your emotional well-being. Regardless of whether you realize it or not, the person next to you is a warrior in a fight right now. I want you to look at somebody next to you like they ain't got nobody else in the the world to encourage them and say, neighbor, say that ain't all of you in here. Say, neighbor. Did you hear the word? Keep on fighting. Amen. Because whether you realize it or not, the person next to you is in a battle right now. I want you to look at something. Do you believe? Kevin asked us this last week. Do you believe everything we've walked through this year? Do you believe it? When the angel came to Mary, she was presented with an option. Do, it, do, I, do I really believe this? Am I going to believe this? It's preposterous. I'm a virgin. I have a baby. The question was not a matter of the heart. All three of the visitors that Gabriel went to were people of faith. These weren't non-believers. These were people who believed. Daniel, Zechariah, Mary, these are people who believed in their heart. But it's got to make its way that 18 inches. Lord, Lord, we love you. What about when it doesn't make sense? The reason that fear comes, the reason that fear creeps in, and the reason that our minds are besieged, and the reason that the war has moved into the Spirit, and the reason that our minds are under attack, and the reason I know that is because the enemy is trying to get you to give up. He's trying to get you to give up. He's trying to get you to lose faith. You know what he's trying to get you to do? Stop believing. You may have started like this, six-year-old girl. Yeah, I believe it. And somewhere along the line, life happened. People hurt you. Things happen. If God is really great and God is really good, then why didn't this happen? My experiences don't match up with the truth that God is great and God is good. And so we stop believing. If I was coming home from a battle, y'all just imagine this 
this uh, sport coat that I got from JCPenney um, on sale because I don't pay retail, right? Uh, <laughs> y'all imagine this was camo, not like real tree camo. Or, or not, I'm not, isn't that crazy? We say camo now, everybody's like, yeah, kill a deer, right? <laughs> My dad's a hunter, so that's not racist, okay? <laughs> I can say that. My dad is a hunter. Um, just imagine it's like, like BDU camo. Like, like I'm like a soldier, right? And I was coming home from battle, right? Not like the 60s and 70s where people didn't appreciate them. And I was telling first service, I, is, I think that's the right era. I don't remember. I was not alive. But I've watched History Channel. <laughs> I've seen a couple of Time magazines. Is that right? Somebody that's been alive around there? Everybody like, yeah, get out of here. We don't appreciate it, right? But nowadays, you appreciate, like you see somebody that's dressed in uniform, and you say, we thank you for your service. We appreciate your sacrifice. And you watch the videos on YouTube where a soldier has traveled for 30-something hours, and he's on the bus, and now he's on the train, and then he's on the plane, and he's coming home to surprise his little girl, and she's singing a solo at the school Christmas choir, you know, and she sees him in the back, and everybody breaks down, and you're just like, yeah, I love it, right? And if you know what I'm talking about. You would cry every time. You can't go on those. You seen that episode? Man, I love that show, right? You can't watch that stuff because it gets to you because you appreciate you appreciate what they've gone through, right? And so if, if I was dressed like that, you would appreciate me when I came home from battle. But because the battle's here, there are no dancing girls when I come home. There are nobody saying Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands because all the war is inside and the person next to me doesn't even know some of the battles that I've been through. You don't even know some of the stuff I've walked through. You don't even know some of the stuff they've gone through. And we've got the audacity to talk about people that come struggling in the church in their pajamas when you don't even know what they had to go through to get here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a fight. But because you can't see it, you can't appreciate it. You, I can't appreciate what James is going through because I can't see it because the war is here. The enemy is trying to get me to stop believing. If I can just get him to not believe this word, I know he knows he's called, but if I can get him to stop believing it, he'll stop walking in his calling. And when he's not walking in his calling, his marriage won't be effective. He'll be unstable in everything he does. It won't mean he won't have some measure of success. It just means everything won't last. It'll just slowly fall apart. He'll find, no, he'll find nothing lasting in it. There'll be no inner peace, no joy. So I love what Mary says, right? Let's look at verse 34. Can you put verse 34? Mary's a smart aleck, okay? <laughs> Anybody ever been a smart aleck toward God, right? Just me, just me. This is, is it, or is it, this is how I read my Bible. This is exactly how I read my Bible, right? So Mary's like, okay, uh, Swedish angel, tell me this, right? If, if I'm going to have a baby, uh, how's this going to happen since I'm a virgin? Tell me. Tell me how this is going to work, Right? Anybody else ever told God how it's going to work? 
right? God, I, my, my water bill is $137, and I just made $100, and you want me to give you $10 of that for tithe. Hey, you tell me how this going to work. Oh, better not talk about tithe. I wish I had time. I wish I had time to talk about tithing. Golly. What do I, what is she, what she is saying is, this doesn't make sense to me. What do we do when it doesn't make sense? Sometimes tithing don't make sense to me. Sometimes Sometimes the stuff I believe doesn't make sense. That's why I love what Paul said. Paul said, having done all to stand, stand. Stand. He ain't talking about gaining ground. He ain't talking about building churches and facilities all the time. He says sometimes the warfare is going to be so intense, it's going to take everything you can do just to stand. It's not worrying about what's going on to the left and the right. You ever been at the red light and you're sitting still and you see somebody creeping forward, but you feel like you're going backwards and it freaks you out a little bit? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, am I going backward? And you're looking, your foot's on the brake. But you're just staying still. But because they're going forward slowly, you feel like you're going back. That's not the case. Sometimes you just got to stand and keep standing. Are you standing? Will you stand? When it don't make sense, it's got to come from a deeper place. My pastor was supposed to be here this morning. I'm not supposed to be here right now. But you know what he's doing? He's standing. He's standing. When it doesn't make sense here, but you know it here, it's got to come from a deeper place. And so I love the angel's response. Let's look at the angel's response. This is what his answer was. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You know what he told her? God Himself will be your covering. This is how it's going to happen. God will do it. God Himself will do it. All you got to do is believe it. Will you believe it? When all hope is seemingly lost, he goes on to tell her nothing will be impossible. And then he gives her an example. I love when God gives example. He said, you know your cousin is about 137 years old? <laughs> she is pregnant right now. <laughs> Without a show of hands, how many 137-year-old Ladies in the house would love to have a baby <laughs> right now. How many women that are half a half a half a half of that would love to have a baby right now, right? He's like, look, nothing will be impossible with me. This was the news. He said, you're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. So many times we feel like we got to have the strength to stand. Do you realize it's not you holding yourself up? He just, oh my, wish I had time. God, I wish I had time. If I could just get that down in my spirit that it's not me. If I can just link up with that train, that locomotive, and, and put all the cars that I'm carrying behind me. So 
So what did Mary say? Let's look at verse 38. After all that, she said, how's this going to work? Because it doesn't make sense. I'm under, I don't, I'm, I'm afraid. This Swedish angel just shows up. I don't get it. None of this makes sense. And you're telling me God's going to do it for me? And this is her response. I'm the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary said yes to God, not knowing what it would cost. She said yes to God, not knowing what it would cost. Y'all think this little girl knows what she's going to have to walk through in life? She said yes to God. She said yes, no matter what. And since she said yes and believed, God said, I'm never going to leave. I'm never going to forsake. I will be your covering. The power of the Holy Spirit will help you. Sometimes it's going to stink. Sometimes it's going to take all you can do to stand. The enemy's going to come and attack your mind. You may take physical licks. You're going to take spiritual licks. But all you got to do is keep standing and believing. Even when it doesn't make sense, are you going to believe? Will you stand? Do you think she said yes, knowing that for the next two years of her life, she was going to be on the run? She couldn't go home. That she was going to eventually watch all her son's friends betray him and turn their back on him and leave him alone? Do you think she would watch him be spit on and beaten and ultimately crucified for the sins of the world and left up there on a Roman cross that was the most excruciating way to die? Do you realize that Jesus came at the time in history that the most painful way to die was Roman crucifixion? He said, I'll go now because I want to take the most amount of pain to show you guys how much the most amount of love looks like. She didn't know that was going to happen. She couldn't have known. And if she would have known, would she have went, eh? And I do that sometimes. I say, God, I don't know, man. You want me to do that? You want me to do this? It's like, just believe me, son. Will I say yes to Him? Will I have the faith to just stand and keep standing? Not knowing what it would cost. Not knowing what it would cost. Can I get the worship team to come? We're going to go to the Lord's table now. And if I could get those that are going to minister the elements to come on down. You see, this is where it all began. And this is where it was finished. But that's not where it ends. But that's not where it ends. Because this season is Advent and we're hopeful that He's going to come. You know what the hope was that Mary had? You know why she said yes? She would give birth to the Savior. And so knowing that she would give birth to the Savior, she didn't need to know how it was going to play out. She just knew that God's promise was yes and amen. So I don't need to know how it's going to play out and what it's going to look like. I need to know that that hope that Jesus is Lord is going to be the same for me as the same way it was for her.